Room tone. I'm gonna get a little bit of water. You okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, I think we should be good. Me too. Three, two, one. This week on All Each Other Has, we're gonna be enjoying some lighter fare. Uh, this week and sharing something incredibly special, my sister's maid of honor speech from my wedding. This was by far one of the most touching and memorable moments in my life. I know I'm partial, but I think it was the best maid of, on maid of honor speech in the history of weddings. And we just thought we would take a break from the theories and the history or I guess I should say theory and history, and share my sister's incredible speech with you guys and my thoughts about it and my reaction and what she did to put together such an amazing speech. And without further ado, Carrie, why don't you take it over? Yeah, so I just wanted to start by saying when I gave this speech, um, I was pretty drunk, so... <laughs> I don't know if the delivery is going to be as, I don't know. Punchy, funny, perhaps? Pun funny, punchy, quick-witted as it was at the time. I don't know if I did any improv during it. But um, this speech was given, and how would you describe the setting? Um, was it like a barn? I mean, it was It was so beautiful. We I got married at Cedar Lakes Estate, which is a, a summer camp that's been converted to a wedding and event space. And it's in Western New York. It was so fun. It's it's beautiful property. I don't know how many acres, but it's on a little lake and everyone stayed in bunks. We all stayed on site, which was so special. And after our ceremony, which was on this mountaintop overlooking all these beautiful hills, we had our reception in their dance, dance barn. No, I don't think that you'd call it a dance barn. It just in this, in this big barn, um, that is really beautiful. And the, um, the flowers were just multicolored wildflowers. It was just incredible. And there was tons of greenery hanging from the ceiling. It was a really beautiful setting. You can check setting. it out in Vogue. <laughs> check it out. Vogue.com. Um, you can see all the pictures and we'll probably be sharing some in anticipation of this uh, quasi-episode's release. And we thought it was important, even though we have a lot going on right now, some of which we can't disclose, to be consistent, to let the listeners know that we're here, we're doing mm -hmm. our best, and we want to give you the content that you crave and deserve. 
So that's what this episode is. And it's also a more intimate look into our relationship and into our lives that you may or may not have asked for. (laughs) So um, I'm going to get started. Great. I can't wait to hear this again. People are clinking the glasses. Ellie looks so beautiful. She wore Monique Lillier. She looked, I mean, you looked really beautiful, Ellie. You know, you felt like you parted your hair on the wrong side after (laughs) looking at the pictures. But I, I I don't think, I I don't think it was. That was just my, that was just my post-wedding blues trying to find something to obsess over to keep it alive. I've worked through this in therapy, but no, it was, and Carrie looked unbelievable. She wore this beautiful Markarian dress. Oh, stop. And it was so cool. It was blue, but the, but the straps were red ribbon and it just looked amazing with your long, dark hair. And you had Casey Musgraves had also worn it. Yes. A a version of it. So, and we, we stand Casey. We love her. So, um, time. All of the time, I stand Casey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she looked unbelievable. Okay, so just imagine, you know, my mom's given her speech, which was pretty good. Um, it was amazing. The groom's parents, shout out Loretta and Dennis, had given some wonderful speeches during the rehearsal dinner two nights prior. Um, also, had I performed with Dave Dabrowski yet? Not yet. So that came, but Dave, I think, spoke before you or maybe right. after you. I'm and not sure. later on, we would sing together um, Late to the Party by Casey. Casey Musgraves. Um, and Dave was so sweet to do that with me. And I know he practiced a lot on the guitar and he was great. Okay. So, anyway, so imagine people are, uh, you know, clinking the glasses. Did they even do that? But, anyways, I'm coming up. Yeah. What are we, what were we eating? We had a roasted chicken, halibut, a lovely like summer salad, mashed potatoes, and okay. I forget what else. But yeah, it was a lovely, yeah. lovely meal. Family okay. style was important to me. Got it. So I'm going to start. Ready? But I want to be looking at you while I give it, so I'm going to open the speech in a different tab. Sounds good. Okay. And I'll try not to go too fast. Take your time. I don't want to be looking at you and not me. Here we go. (laughs) Okay, ready? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Ellie's younger sister, Carrie. You may recognize me from the ceremony or from Instagram. (laughs) Thank you all for coming to this long-awaited celebration of Ellie and Mark. Since I'm probably going to be alone for the rest of my life on account of my personality, this is sort of my wedding too. I'm already So, since Ellie's four and a half years older than I am, for the first 18 years of my life, she and I were living in disparate systems of reality. What did I take that from? Like James Baldwin? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Around 2005, for example, while Ellie was sneaking out of the apartment in our mom's stilettos to go meet up with collegiate boys on a school night with Elizabeth Tayback, I was at the pizza parlor on Club Penguin, typing out press 123 to be my boyfriend and bringing digital suitors to my igloo for an after-bedtime rendezvous. (laughs) This is a bit (laughs) self-referential. When we were growing up, 
I was something of a menace, a parasite really to my sister, who was simply trying to get by as an adolescent of the aughts on the Upper East Side. My most common offense was stealing clothes from her. I can't remember if I, by the way, this is a sidebar. I can't remember if I actually said this part. That part about stealing clothes? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely did. A fake Balenciaga bag she bought on Canal Street. French Soul Ballet flats, hand-me-down Parisian cardigans from an ever-growing Miss Tayback, and leaving her closet in complete disarray. I don't know if I like that upon uh, rereading that. I, I can't remember It's if I so funny. Said you definitely said it because you talked about this, the Prada sweater. Okay. Yeah. yeah oh, my Elizabeth. God. The sweater set that we got from Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Elizabeth. Shout Elizabeth out. was just very tall, and she was always growing, but she also... <laughs> had really good clothes and she would give them to Ellie and then eventually they would filter down to me. Um, Okay. Our verbal fights could be brutal. Like when she taught me the C word. No, not crap. I'm talking see you next Tuesday. When I took a number two in the bathroom while she was flat ironing her hair before school. (laughs) A traumatic episode seared into my mind was one summer night in East Hampton when I was about nine and Ellie and her friend Hillary wanted to go skinny dipping. Our nanny slash second mom, Lori Beth, forced them to let me join, and I came down to the pool wearing nothing but a snorkel mask. Yes, I was obsessed with boobs at the time, but honestly, my eyes were sensitive to chlorine. Ellie lambasted me as a pervert and had me stand outside the pool naked until I took off the goggles. By the way, I am a perv, so she was right. (laughs) Ellie and I got into plenty of physical art. Oh, sorry, Don't Ellie worry. and I got into plenty of physical alter. Ellie and I got into plenty of physical altercations too. Some of the most terrifying memories of my childhood involved sprinting down the hallway to lock myself in the bathroom after I'd done something bad, like letting my guinea pig Elaine loose in Ellie's room, messaging people from her AIM account. Or the one time I picked up our dog Maisie's feces, may she rest in peace, and put the bag under Ellie's pillow. Ellie would chase me, practically rabid, screaming she was going to kill me with a look in her eyes that said she actually might. (laughs) Anyway, I think Ellie knows now that the reason I tortured her so much was because I was obsessed with her. To me, she was everything because she knew everything, because she had unending wisdom when it came to boys and friends, vintage clothes and alternative music, i.e. the soundtracks to Garden State and the OC, Latin declensions and Jeffrey Eugenides, Latin declensions and Jeffrey Eugenides, film photography and the MTA, though I now realize she only took the six. (laughs) Ellie was so cool, so diligent and so smart. I remember the afternoon she got into Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, Duke, Georgetown, Williams, Vanderbilt, and UVA, though she was waitlisted at Brown. And I updated my i and I updated my iChat status as each acceptance rolled in, wanting to everyone know how astonishing, wanting everyone to know how astonishing my big sister was. Our age gap also meant that Ellie, during times of detente, was really like another mom to me. Having lost our dad at a young age, I was lucky to have in her, in addition to our real mom and the amazing women who helped raise us, like Lori Beth and Sarah, an additional source of parental guidance that was almost preternatural. 
Ellie was my stage mom from early on, having me perform a gyrating rendition of Laura Branigan's Gloria in my gymnastics leotard, or recite parent testimonies from the Sylvan Learning Center commercials as monologues for her friends. I don't think I included that part in the real speech. No, I think you did. I remember all of this. You did. But more importantly, you were there when I needed you. Sorry. But more importantly, you were there when you knew I needed you, even when I didn't ask. Like swimming those nine laps in the lake with me when it took me an hour to pass the deep water test my first summer at camp. Doing my eyeliner and hair for those Goddard gaieties dances when I was 12 ushering me through airport security, something you still do whenever we tra- ushering me through airport security, something you still do whenever we traveled by ourselves. Later, when you were a freshman at Yale and I was in 8th grade and amid one of the loneliest times in my life, you would have me take the train to New Haven for the weekend, foregoing wild nights at Toads or AD5 just to hang out with me. You'd take me to the JE library where we would do our homework, then with your friends to Yorkside Pizza, helping me feel for a brief moment in my anxious adolescence like I belonged. (laughs) In the past five years or so, my relationship with Ellie has obviously shifted from a parent-child dynamic to the most important friendship in my life. We're older now and at a stage in our lives where we're finally peers. As Ellie has become my friend, I realized the two things about her I love the most, her eternal kindness and her undying ability to see the world with wonder. As you might have gleaned from this wedding, my sister and I, thanks to our mom, have led pretty charmed lives. But as little girls, we, particularly Ellie, dealt with the profoundly traumatic loss of our dad, something she endured as a first grader. Need a sip of water. It's okay. Losing a father at the age she did and growing up in the way we did could have turned my sister into a jaded and bitter person, someone who thought they'd experienced what life had to offer and simply said no thanks. Instead, this loss became the source of Ellie's capacity for compassion and her ability to find what is good in this life. Because she knows loss, she knows living is not a given, and because she knows what it feels like to be alone, she does all she can to make those around her feel safe and supported and loved. Her empathy, which means never wanting others to feel lonely, unworthy, or ashamed, is what makes her the friend, daughter, sister, and now wife we don't know what we did to deserve. This empathy... This empathy is at the root of her undying curiosity, her tendency to see the world despite its meanness and uncertainty with an open heart. I'll never forget when she was visiting me at Stanford and I took her to this pagan springtime festival at a co-op where clothing, naturally, was optional. Even I was out of my element as we sat in a yurt watching naked people dance the maypole. Sorry. Even I was out of my element as we sat in a yurt watching naked people dance around the maypole while onlookers threw boiled beets at them as part of some kind of ceremony. Ellie looked on in amazement and delight, bonding with the didgeridoo player and answering a stranger's request for a cap, i.e. a psychedelic mushroom, by generously pulling a baseball hat out of her tote bag. (laughs) I guess what I mean to say 
is that age and wisdom have only made Ellie more willing to foster new friendships and experience new joys. And I think that is truly extraordinary. I think we have Mark to thank for helping bring this out in her. For the past 11 years, Ellie and Mark have loved and trusted each other so fully that it has enriched not only their care for each other, but for all those who enter their lives. This is not to say that Ellie and Mark are indiscriminate in their relationships, but rather they're willing to love without judgment or expectations of anything in return. Mark, I have known you since I was 14, back when you wore Oakleys on the back of your head and told me to call you Dobro. Your capacity for joy, your genuine interest in other people's experiences, your willingness to listen, and your ability to sec and your ability to accept others, even someone as unhinged as me, have had a larger impact on my life than you may realize. Thank you for helping Ellie and by extension me see that everything will be okay as long as there's joy to be had and loved to be as long as there's joy to be had and love to be shared. And Mark, just one last thing to say to you. I'm the maid of honor. Who are you? <laughs> Yes. I mean, if so that I just is wanna, the- can I, can oh, I just explain the last line? Absolutely. Because be, because the last line, I'm the maid of honor. Who are you? Um, about two years before Ellie's wedding, we were at another wedding. You know, as a family, and I had gone to sleep, but Ellie and Mark, of course, went we to went the to the after, after party. Went to the after party. <laughs> And it was like a very New England kind of wedding, pretty waspy. And w- they weren't really turning up. And I guess Ellie and Mark wanted wanted them to, you know, get the party started. And there was no music on. And so Mark was trying to get the aux cord or whatever. And then this girl who was the maid of honor at that wedding yelled at him and said, <laughs> I'm the maid of honor. Who are you? So yeah. now that's the genesis of that and something that Hilarious. I was really into saying because I was Ellie's maid of honor, but she didn't have any bridesmaids, so I was the only bridesmaid. Yes, she was my maid of honor and my bridesmaid. And uh, I mean, gosh, Carrie, where to begin? That is such an a hilarious and heartfelt speech. Obviously, it's about me and our relationship, so what's not to love? But I just think you did such a fantastic job and it's so clear you put a lot of thought and effort into that speech. And I think it was equal parts funny and also extremely moving. And I do you feel like it was too much about me because now when I'm reading it, I'm like, no, not at all. I mean, the listeners can tell us not at all. You're so funny and it's so much about me and you say so many amazingly kind, generous things about me and about Mark. And I just, to have someone say, you know, that I have this capacity for compassion and kindness and wonder and curiosity that, that makes me feel so good. And we can get, we can get into the nitty gritty of the speech, but I will say you were just Overall that weekend, you were so incredibly helpful and patient and everything 
a girl could want, a woman could want, and a maid of honor bride could want. Really? And a maid I felt of like honor. I was making it a little bit about me. No, <laughs> but that's the thing is that is that by doing that, you know, it really it's it really was about our families, our families coming together, our families meeting and that's really what a marriage is all about. Of course, friends are a big part of that too, but it's about two families coming together. And I didn't want to have the attention on me the entire weekend. I did have it on me. No, I I I don't. After the wedding, I was like, wait, because there were times when I did feel like a celebrity. And I guess (laughs) it's because I'm the sister's, I'm the sister of the bride and I'm the maid of honor. Yeah. And this is going to sound not humble, but whatever. I mean, so many people came up to me and they told me I was talented and it was, it, <laughs> and that yes, I was because amazing and I, sh- and I, I should, so good, in- at, <laughs> good at, but things. I should, you are so good at things. And I should interrupt for a moment to remind the audience that not only did she sing a beautiful rendition of late to the party by Casey Musgraves with my brother-in-law on the guitar and accompanying, accompanying, her but she also Carrie also sang Songbird by Fleetwood Mac during our ceremony which was so incredible right well a a quartet type of situation um yeah but in retrospect don't you think that I had kind of too performative a role and like too much attention not at all not at all are you just saying that I'm not just saying that you were amazing and I, I was so sad when it was over, you know, I feel so blessed that we got to celebrate the way we did, especially during COVID. But I had, you know, I had been planning that wedding for two and a half years and been with my husband now, you know, for, for a decade and, you know, now longer. And so I think it was just, it was this amazing three days of just celebrating our families and us and it was just so there was so much joy it and was, um, when it the, ended the, I was crushed apo- apotheosis yes it was the apotheosis of our relationship absolutely and well uh, but I hope I hope you have oh it also also of care of Carrie it was Carrie's apotheosis as well her coming well and can you define apotheosis for us it's like the the high point, the culmination of everything. Yes. It's yes. usually it's, used religiously, I think. Isn't it sort of to talk about a birth of some kind too? Let's see. Apotheosis anyway. is also called deification. It's the glorification of a subject to divine levels and commonly the treatment of a human being or an abstract idea. That's the context I've heard it in, like the the apotheosis of the conservative movement Um, Mm -hmm. or an abstract idea and the likeness of a deity. The highest point in the development of something, a culmination or climax. Well, maybe it's not the apotheosis of your relationship with Mark. Maybe that'll be something else. Maybe that'll be when you have a child. Maybe it'll just be a quiet moment together when you just realize (laughs) that you're happy. Um, Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe it'll be when you die in each other's arms. I I don't know. (laughs) The notebook style. Or maybe it'll be your, your, that moment just, I, I don't know. Just before the divorce or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe my second marriage. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Mark. Um, 
But in terms of, you know, you thinking, oh, did I make it too much about me? No, because this wedding was as much about you as it was about me. It really was oh my about God, Ellie. No, but but no, in my mind, I just to me it was <laughs> someone like this, said that if, if if someone said that to me about my wedding, I would kill them. Sorry, I just mean. I mean, if, if like so, if if I, I don't know how to. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. If if you you know you were like my right hand person, you were the skipper to my Barbie. The I don't know the. <laughs> oh, I was nice. the captain and you were the first mate and we were we were just really on the same wavelength the whole weekend and it was like you could anticipate my my needs and really? just did an amazing yeah I don't think I tried that hard I don't know I, I just I enough. just think that you and mom and I were just I I I felt so supported by the two of you and weddings are strange because especially in the age of Instagram and the hashtags and all that, you kind of lose sight of what it's really about, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the coming together of two people in a marriage and celebrating that as part of a tradition of, you know, marriages that come before you. And so I really thought the focus on our family was really important to me and the decision to not have bridesmaids. I, I'm really happy about it. I have. Well, do you one... want to explain why? Sure. I, I just felt like I have so many wonderful friends from different parts of my life. And I didn't want anyone's feelings to be hurt or anyone to feel excluded or, or you know, ranked in some weird way. And my wedding was a little different because I didn't spend all day getting ready, you know, so I. I got to see what, people. What did you? What did we do that day? There was a lunch barbecue, right? Well, that day I woke up, and even though I didn't really need it, I got an IV because I just wanted to feel good, and I was nervous I would feel a little hungover. And because um, the night before, explain the night before, we had this big '80s party, which was so fun. And our mom's friend Sherry, who's incredible, she's the lead singer of an '80s cover band called Rubik's Cube. And they're just legendary and amazing. So I think a lot of people were feeling kind of rough on the actual wedding day, as is, you know, want to happen. But um, is, am I saying that right? As is want to happen. Uh, but <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I started my day off with an IV. And then I did yoga. We did some yoga with my, my cousin, Scarlett, uh, who taught a class, which was wonderful. We had breakfast. We, um, we did the rehearsal up on the mountaintop and just hung out around camp. People were swimming and going on in the canoes and, um, on the blob, which is, you know, that thing like from heavyweights where there's a big inflatable balloon in the, in the lake. And one person goes onto the end and the other person jumps off the diving board and sends them flying. Um, and we had a cookout. It was just really chill. I did, I played big Jenga with Aunt Kiki and Laura and hung out with Uncle Johnny and um and then I started getting ready so you know it was all it was all pretty chill um and I got ready with you and you were just so great that day and mom and our stepsister Allie who was also just lovely and Paula and Aunt Kiki and of course my mother-in-law Loretta and sister-in-law Christine and my niece Merritt who was our flower girl who got 
you know, who wore a little flower crown and was adorable. Love, I love Merit. Merit be- and I became really good friends. Yeah, Merit is and, like And what really did Merit cool. say her favorite, what did Merit say her favorite part of the wedding was when she was later asked? Getting to know Carrie. There you go. Can you believe Favorite. she said that? I, honestly, she's got good taste. She's really cool. I just like, want her know, to like she, me. How old is she? Like four? <laughs> Gosh, she was born. Yeah, she's like four. <laughs> she's such a little angel. She's very um, sweet. And you know what my favorite part of the wedding was? Like favorite moment? What? It was when you and Mark, what do you call it? Processed after kissing each other. Yes. And you, you had did your... it to prove it all night by Bruce Springsteen, which was cool because, you know, Mark is from New Jersey and they love Bruce Springsteen. It's a song about a young couple eloping. And though you definitely did not elope, this is a very uh, intense wedding, but in, yeah. a, in an amazing way, um, yeah. it was very fitting and, and really sweet. And uh, I've never seen somebody do that before. But honestly, I haven't been to a lot of weddings. I mean, I, I don't have as many friends as Ali, so <laughs> I probably in the next few years will go to fewer weddings than she's um, gone to in the past couple years. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of fun at your wedding. Um you know, I used to be a flower girl often. I was yeah. a flower girl for a bunch of our cousins because on our mom's side, we are the youngest cousins. Right. So our cousins have kids of their own and, you know, who are, you know, now I think Max is in high school. Wow, um, that's crazy. So, yeah, I was a flower girl a couple times. At our cousin Ray's wedding, they thought I wouldn't, I wasn't mature enough to be a flower girl. So they had me hand out pamphlets. Or, or uh, programs. Programs. They had me hand out programs, which is like yeah. that's a much harder job than being a flower girl. <laughs> so and like tell you know. people where like the restroom is over there. Yeah, you know, I think I remember I remember mom being a little salty about that, funnily enough. And I think because I was a flower girl. And I think, you know, sometimes with weddings, you're you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. People get upset about silly things and and try to make it about them or take it personally. And I think it's important that yeah. everybody just, <laughs> just for, you know, just sort of go rolls with it and, and goes with it. And, um, but you know, I think it's important to not, not to be offended if you don't get invited to somebody's wedding. Absolutely. Because, you know, that, that happened to me recently, but then I was like, you know what? No, I'm really happy for her and I love her husband. And, um, you know, I think the pandemic has affected my closeness with certain people. That's not to say I don't love them and they love me or care about them. And I think being behind the scenes a little bit in your wedding and the planning of that helped me appreciate how hard it is to, you know, figure out who you're inviting to your wedding. And even if you have a big wedding, it's like, you're inviting people from so many different facets of your life and, and you yep. can't invite everybody. Um, right. And there, and, you, and when, also there are two sides, you know, if it, you know, right. Unless it's like a thruple, but I guess. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Two sides. <laughs> sorry. One second. So sorry. Is Mark you?
Sorry about that. Speaking of Ellie's dog, Ricky, you know, one of Mark's beautiful vows was that they could get, she could get any dog she wanted. <laughs> and there you have it. If you say it in a vow, <laughs> it has to come true. Um, but, you know, speaking of inviting people and um, it's a totally normal human response when you're excluded from something to feel sad about it. It's baked into our evolution, right? That I mean, that's the story been, of my life is feeling excluded. Me too. But like an outsider. Totally. And, you know, and for me, it's very triggering because as, as we've talked about on this podcast in high school, I, I was kind of a loser. And so when you're excluded from stuff, it hurts on just a visceral biological level. The, the humans that survived throughout time were ones that could survive in a group. You know, you did better as part of a community than you would as a lone wolf. I know that sounds silly, but it really is a part of it. Um, and that's where this need for belonging comes from. And then you add social media into it and it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, you feel intense FOMO, you feel left out, you feel like you're not good enough, but I think it's important to realize that it's not personal most of the time. And, you know, it's almost like people want to get invited just to be invited and not, and then the reality of going to that person's wedding might not feel totally right. It's, it should be something where you have an investment in the couple or, you know, at least one of the people. Um, and it's also a lot financially, you know, to have extra people at a wedding. Um, but the thing about weddings too, I've, I've loved going to weddings. We love, love, love celebrating people. And Carrie, the reason I've been going to so many mainly is because of Mark. Cause he, he, you know, cause at, when you're a couple, you go to things that your significant other has to go to. So, um, and I, I think that I've been experiencing a lot of social anxiety at these weddings because it's very intense. You're traveling, you're going to, you're often traveling, you're going to places you've never been with people you've never met before. You're trying to make a good impression in a very short amount of time. You're meeting all these new people. Alcohol is very much a part of it. And it, it does create this weird artificial, almost can be sometimes high school-like environment. And I'm 30, I'm almost 31 years old. And I thought I sort of moved on beyond this. And then I get back into these wedding settings and I'm just like a helpless teenager again sometimes. But, you know, weddings can take form, take shape in whatever form the couple wants. You know, it can be something small. It can be a backyard thing. It can be something big. It can be an elopement. It can be a Vegas wedding. Um, it, they can process to Bruce Springsteen. I've, I also went to one recently where I think they um, processed to LCD sound system. You know, it can be whatever you want it to be. And I think that's Do you really feel important. happy to be married? Yeah, I do feel happy like to be married. Like beyond the wedding, like do you feel like it it's important for you to get married to Mark? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's nice that I don't have to refer to him as my boyfriend anymore or, you, know, you know, could say partner. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that that's a cool new part of the lexicon, partner. Um, 
because I was engaged to him for so long and I hate being like my fiance. I don't know why there's just something a little off-putting about that to me, about me saying it at least. So I'd be like, this is my boyfriend. This is my, my dude. This is my man friend. But yes, partner would be better. Husband, it works, rolls out the tongue nicely. And even though not a lot has changed, I think it's help us, helped us sort of look at each other as a family unit, even though we don't have children. We have a dog, um, which has been great practice. But I think it's nice to know, like, this is my, my legal partner. Um, and we have a piece of paper to that says that we are a family unit, you know, and I'm learning how to live with someone else and learning how to make decisions with someone else and plan our lives. And also, you know, sharing some finances has been um, a very good experience, you know, and eye-opening for me. And he's helped me a lot in that department. So, so yes, it is nice to be married. That's cool. I don't think that, I, I mean, I, I always thought I would get married and I'd like to be married um, because I'm, I, I feel an aching loneliness, but that's not just when it comes to romantic relationships. I feel that in most of my life with the exception of maybe my relationship with you, um, Ellie, but I don't think that I'll ever find somebody who wants to spend their life with me or make that commitment to me. And, and maybe that's okay. I mean, we're all going to die soon anyways. Okay. Let me just, let me just step in for a second. You're 26 years old. Okay. You're so young. It's weird that I met my person at such a young age. Everyone's on a different path. And maybe there isn't someone out there for you in the long term, and that's okay. I think you just need to be open to people, open to possibilities. And sorry, I sound like Tony Robbins right now, but I think that you have to be okay with yourself before, you know, and just comfortable with yourself before, or, you know, that's, that's, that's goal number one in life. And obviously Mark is, is a huge part of my life and so important to me and my identity now because I've been with him for 12 years, but I've done a lot of work on myself <laughs> and learning, you know, just how to be on, how to be on my own and how to be self-reliant and independent while also being in a relationship. Well, and so I think know, that's important. I, for I spent a lot of time alone, like a lot. And I spend a lot of time not, dating people or being in a relationship and I don't know I would just I would just like to get out of my head a little bit and I would like to laugh a lot with another person yeah. and I do that with some certain friends but I don't know it is what it is isn't it it is what it is but <laughs> you know Life is long and you're 26 and I know that sounds incredibly condescending or patronizing, 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 um, but well, I think you can say either, but listen, I think it's all about one day at a time, bird by bird, just, just living in the moment, living in the present. Yeah. Finding I mean, simple joys. <laughs> I mean, I think at the end of the day, 
you know, while she's sitting around, running around, talking about my husband, the father of my children, <laughs> she spends her weekends peddling through sperm banks, looking through catalogs <laughs> to try to find a donor. Honey, you don't know if your baby daddy will be an axe murderer or a child molester. What you will know is that he needed $10 to get himself a medium-sized pizza, so he ejaculated in a cup so you could have a kid. Now check that. Again, Carrie wows us all with her ability to memorize long monologues from television. That would be Phaedra <laughs> Park. That would be Phaedra Parks from Real Housewives of Atlanta. At to Kenya re- Moore. To Kenya Moore at a reunion, and it is an iconic clapback. And we love I, Phaedra. At my wedding, if I ever get married, Ellie, do you want me I'd to like you give that to monologue? Give that. Just say that. Okay, sounds good. Listen, at your wedding. I I don't know how I will ever, ever do, you know, how I will ever write a speech as incredible as the one you wrote for me, but I will try. Well, my, my wedding is going to be a one woman show. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be performing the whole time. I'm going to do, I'm going to be like share. I'm going to have lots of costume changes. Amazing. I, I'm going to, I'm going to put on a whole play about my life. I mean, I, I guess wait. my relationship. I but the thing is, like, I'll never meet someone who I have as much fun with as I do with yourself. With myself. <laughs> oh, I say this all the time. I I say, why can't I just be married to myself? <laughs> yeah, I and love it all Mark, comes but back sometimes to Christopher Lash, <laughs> culture of narcissism. What is oh, there that, you go. Seventy nine. Yep. <sighs> but but listen. I will be there by your side for the entire performance. I think that you will be an amazing bride and we will all have so much fun. It will be a guest forward wedding, but also an incredibly entertaining Carrie Monaghan show. And I cannot wait for that. Um, Because the thing about being a bride when, you know, when it's your wedding is that people don't realize you're in some ways, you're a bit of a prop, you know, you're being Mm -hmm. You're being ushered from place to place, um, and it can be tough sometimes to be fully present and in that moment. And I, I knew this going into it, but it still, it still happened. You know where it felt a little like, what is happening? And it's all moving so it's quickly, like, and I can't you talk can't to- see the bride. You, you know right. the re- the reveal. Can't see the dress. You know right. it is like in a lot of ways sort of antiquated and weird. Like why can't we see? Why why is it okay to see the groom? Right. Because it's the bride that's like an object being given away and in white and, you know. Right. And I do think, you know, <laughs> I I think I played into that a little bit. Mark and I did first look photos or whatever, which I'm glad we did um, because we, we got the photos out of the way. But I remember at a certain point, and mom was incredible, we were all hanging out in Mark and my room. And I just said to mom, I was like, can you get the guys out of here? Because I need to pee and to pee. I need to take off my entire dress and it's a whole production. And, you know, I also think now's the time where I want a little distance from the groom. Um, I feel like I played into that in kind of maybe a, 
not so productive way. But mom came, mom completely came to my defense and I heard her in the rooms. I was in the bathroom and she said, if you have a Y chromosome, you need to get out of here. <laughs> and um, so I, I just, I really appreciated that. Well, I think we're going to need to cut that out because that's oh, sorry. necessarily what. Right. What sorry. She said, if you're okay, never mind. But my mom, bas- okay. my mom came to my rescue and was like, the, the guys need to get out of here, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I think if I could do, do it again and gosh, I would give anything to be able to do it again. I, I think I wouldn't have stressed any of the small stuff, but that's impossible. The thing I stressed out the most about was the weather because I felt like I want, you know, I chose this venue at the peak of summer because for 4th of July, because it's such a fun outdoorsy place to celebrate it. And the, the, the forecast said rain the entire weekend. It poured the night of the rehearsal dinner. And I just had this awful feeling that it was going to, we were going to have to do everything inside. And luckily we figured it out and it was actually a beautiful day on the wedding day. And so I wish I had stressed less. But all this to say, having an amazing maid of honor or advocate by your side, and I'm so lucky I not only have a sister, but but such an incredibly loyal and um, emotionally intelligent sister, it's really helpful. And I, I have a lot of friends who only have brothers, and so I know that that can be a more complicated decision to not have bridesmaids or whatever, or, you know, who do you look towards for that guidance and that, you know, who do you look to, to serve as maid of honor can be kind of stressful. And I just feel so grateful. I was surrounded by a lot of positive, supportive women that day. Sorry, Olivia, you're going to have to kind of clean that up. Those big old mess. Let's, let's just do the outro now. Okay. Oh, sorry. How long have we been going? Like 45 minutes. Oh my God. What? Okay. Sorry. Um, do you want to do the outro? Cause I keep, feel like I keep yeah. doing it. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this <laughs> special episode. <clears throat> Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of all each other has. We hoped, we hope that. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of All Each Other Has. We hope you enjoyed it. I know there wasn't a lot of theory or academic preparation, but hey, sometimes you run out of steam. And you know what? Next week is going to be very academic. We're going to be talking about dolls and doll play and lots of other things and American Girl dolls and Barbies and and gendered Alexander dolls and gendered (laughs) spaces. And we can't so, wait to catch up next week. You kind of fucked that up for me. <laughs> so, and Madame Alexander dolls. Yep. So Olivia, hopefully let me know if I need to record a new outro because of that. But love you like a sister. Love you. And we just want to say thank you so much to our mom and Amanda Savory, my wedding planner in Cedar Lakes Estate, and everyone who made that day, that weekend, so unbelievably incredible. And um, we realized that this having a wedding at all is a immense privilege, and we really are so grateful for it, and we'll remember it for the rest of our lives. So 
and donate to an abortion fund near you or the National Network of Abortion Funds. Love you like a sister. Bye. Love you. Bye. Sorry.